Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you all to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. Today, we're looking at a topic on environment and safety. So this podcast is called Building Resilience, Why Now is the Time to Invest in Natural Hazard Risk Management. So this podcast comes from the March issue of Hydrocarbon Processing Magazine, and it was written by Chris LaBeouf of ABS Group. Now, with extreme weather events growing in frequency worldwide, organizations can do many things to protect their assets and mitigate some of the risks exposed by natural hazards. From raging wildfires in Australia at the beginning of 2020 to the catastrophic flash flooding across much of Europe in July of 2021, various natural hazard events in recent years have destroyed property and infrastructure, devastating businesses and taking lives. In the United States, Hurricane Ida brought back painful memories to the people of New Orleans, Louisiana. The city is still rebuilding after Hurricane Katrina caused 1,800 deaths and $125 billion in damage in 2005. Unfortunately, natural disasters like hurricanes, cyclones, storms, floods, and wildfires are occurring more often and with greater severity. This can be viewed in terms of economic cost increases over time. Now, the Asia-Pacific region tells a similar story. Here, average annual disaster event-induced economic losses between 2000 and 2009 stood at $56.7 billion. For 2010 to 2019, that figure more than doubled to $117.9 billion. The Tohoku earthquake, which struck Japan in 2011, is largely responsible. Still, even when removing 2011 from this period, the nine remaining years averaged $89.1 billion in annual natural disaster damage. So let's talk about counting the cost. Now, these concerning figures translate into a multiple of damages encountered by organizations that operate across various industries, including oil and gas, refining, petrochemicals, energy, chemicals, technology, and other industrial sectors with a large and highly valuable infrastructure bases. Unplanned outages and economic losses from production downtime and major consequences of the disruption caused by extreme weather events. Additionally, Many secondary and tertiary social and environmental impacts stem from the primary damage done to these businesses. So, why are power and chemical companies particularly affected by natural disasters? Well, geography plays a critical role here. For instance, many chemical facilities are strategically located close to coastal and inland waterways to enable easy transportations of goods in and out of their sites. However, this makes them particularly susceptible to hurricane and flood risk. For example, in the United States, many plants and industrial sites are located near the Gulf Coast, Atlantic Coast, and Mississippi River. Earthquakes are another risk factor, primarily in the western states and other regions near fault lines. Key risk areas in Europe include sites along rivers and coast, including those in areas at or near slightly above sea level. Now, Prior to COP26, there was a great sense of urgency among key political decision makers, enterprises, and wider society. Hosted in Glasgow, Scotland, and the UK, the summit represented a defining moment for Britain's Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. His government pushed ahead with some of the most ambitious climate targets ever pledged by a UK government. However, enterprises should not wait for more comprehensive legislation and regulations to impel them into action. Few or no global regulatory drivers aimed at industrial facilities require them to withstand extreme weather events. The onus is on organizations to determine their own natural hazard risk management strategy. So given the growing frequency of these incidents, the time to act is now. 
So the extent and nature of such actions depend largely on each business's appetite for risk. In other words, the extent to which a business is prepared to deal with disruptions caused by storms, hurricanes, wildfires, flood, and other extreme events. Direct concerns may include the reliability and resilience of the organization's equipment, insufficient worker safety protocols, and unplanned outages. However, it is also important to consider that physical damage to buildings and equipment represents only the initial source of financial loss. Resultant business disruptions and market displacement can also significantly affect revenue figures, depending on the severity of the natural hazard in question. Concerns here can center around storing materials, disruption to feedstock supply, transportation availability, accessing costs, and availability of energy. So to help quantify some of these risks, organizations should consider various factors. So how much revenue will be lost if the facility is shut down for an extended period? Can an additional understanding of the risk help the company to manage operations? Will improvements to preparedness and response reduce direct damage and limit revenue loss following an extreme weather event? Considering these questions is an excellent place to start. The answers may prompt a series of potential mitigation measures. Facility hardening, enhanced preparedness, response planning, and organizational measures to limit the impact of a single extreme event are among the risk-mitigating steps companies can take, along with acquiring insurance policies. Another option is to leverage the expertise of third parties in engineering and risk management. Independent risk assessments and audits can serve as vital tools in quantifying actual risk, with engineering-based studies revolving around rigorous site-specific technical assessments that enable facilities to measure their exposure to numerous natural disasters. This can carry advantages over advice and subsequent cover offered by insurance firms, which may not provide this level of rigorous evaluation and technical understanding. Now, regardless of what approach is taken, companies are advised to build risk into their cost of business and plan for a certain degree of extreme weather disruption every year. Now, some organizations, they may lack the in-house technical and engineering expertise to properly plan and execute an entire natural hazard risk management strategy. Expertise in process safety and structural engineering is critical for companies to support from initial design and throughout a facility's life cycle. Specific services such as risk assessments and independent audits, equipment evaluation audits, natural hazard audits, flood and storm surge risk analyses, reviews of emergency response plans, and natural hazard risk management toolkits offer insights and resources to assist industrial facilities in reducing their exposure to natural and artificial hazards. Knowledge sharing is crucial if organizations with assets prone to natural hazard risk are to future-proof themselves effectively. In the UK, several conference papers were planned for the Hazards 31 conference in November 2021 that focused on process safety issues. Here, flooding is the most frequent and damaging natural hazard, the risk of which is growing due to climate change and the increasing regularity of extreme weather events. These conference papers examine vital lessons learned in how to navigate the UK's control of major accident hazards regulations. With more industrial businesses throughout the UK, Europe, and other regions around the world being impacted by natural hazards, the clear message is that risk from natural hazards is growing. As climate change produces extreme weather events that may become more frequent and severe, the time to act is now. Again, we want to thank you for listening to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column.